welcome to episode 399 of the Overlook Hour. I am your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. He is sitting across the table from me. It is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. starting to get a little dark. There are no lights in this room except for the candle. Therefore, candlelight Russell John the Fisherman. Oh, <laughs> hi, how are you? What's up? Uh, not, I'm pretty good. You're still wearing that scary hat, I see. I know. You told me not to change it out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it out. Oh, that's right. Always listening to daddy. I know. Now I hang it on my uh, chair. So I don't even have to get up and get it anymore. You hang it on your chair? Mm-hmm. You see right here, I have my uh, my beanie. I think I wore this during an interview. Oh, yes. Have, oh, with uh, Brian. I apologized right up top. I don't know if it made the interview. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm a beanie guy. Randy can pull it off. I can't really. Also joining us is our uh, primo beanie guy, Randy Michael Stapp. That's me. What's up? Speaking of beanies, I did lose one the other day. Um, I I didn't technically lose it. I realized that I left it somewhere and it was too late already. Was it your yarmulke? No, it was just a plain black beanie. Uh, one that I wear almost all the time. And uh, now I got I'm in store for a new one if anybody has beanie wrecks. Does the plain black beanie go well with your plain white tee? Yes, and it goes well with my plain personality. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Oksana Valerian of uh, Osachi. Oh, you got my middle name right. Let me tell you something. My pronunciation is strong and stable <laughs> and accurate. I, I say it the same way every week, do I not? No, they used to add like 14 syllables to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> I figured it was on purpose. Give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, you understand that I do speak in hyperbole as a storyteller, carrying the weight of this show <laughs> on my shoulders. All right. Randy, what time is it out there? Six o'clock? It's looking... Uh, yeah, 6.22. Is the sun, the sun don't set till six o'clock? I feel like the sun sets way before out here. Uh, It's been getting later. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a month ago I was getting uh, sleepy at like 530 because it was like pitch black already. But uh, we're good now. I did. I We spoke about this last week, but I finally had my first tornado warning, not just a watch, on uh, Thursday. Yes, yes, yes. I got an actual warning for uh, my county, DeKalb County. In Georgia, we had a, uh, a tornado in uh, Georgia. It didn't really touch down or do any damage in the city or where I am in. Decatur, but uh, yeah, I actually got the warning and I freaked out for a good 45 minutes and just sat in my hallway in my uh, house, which is like the most inner portion of the house that I have. Oh, Russell, did you hear that? It's baby's first tornado. <laughs> I don't envy you, Randy. Like, is your house actually like in the firing line of God? Like, could you lose your home to a tornado? I think anybody could. I couldn't do it. How lame would that be? You move from the West Coast, you're free, you buy property, and then, uh, you know, the almighty says, ah, you know what, that was a mistake. That's right. That's what you got insurance for, baby. Yeah, but what about all your cool, like, A24 posters and shit? They're not going to bring those back. Yeah. All your Ty Seagal merch (laughs) is going to get washed in the vortex, Dave. My, uh, like, my... Very small amount of records that I brought from California, and I uh, intend to bring the rest of them eventually. 
Now, when you say small amount of records that you brought from California, how many are we talking? 25? Four? Uh, probably like 50, that order. Maybe a little more than 50. Okay. 50 is fine. Yeah, but I got, I got more at home. Okay. What are you, Phil Spector? <laughs> I'm probably going to be selling some next time I go back in uh, March for a little bit. Ooh, Randy's Garage Sale. Where are you taking it? Amoeba? Probably one, two, three, four. Uh, uh good luck. <laughs> they're dead. Uh, one, two, three, four closed. <laughs> Oakland's closed? I don't think the one in Oak. I don't know. Is the one in Oakland still rocking? I have no idea. I knew the one in SF had been closed for a while, but yeah, the I believe the one in Oakland on like 40th is still uh open. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a bummer, dude. Um Yeah, but Oakland doesn't count as a real place. That vinyl <laughs> renaissance. I feel like it's done because I don't give a shit anymore. Well, and you know what killed it? What? Coronavirus. Now, you know what killed it? Um, the radio star. I don't, yeah. Practicality. Okay. The boggles? That people don't actually like the, uh, you know, the niche effect of loading up physical media and then talking about how the sound waves aren't transmitted into zeros and ones gets old after a while. I don't know. I, I like records, and I actually played a couple of few days ago when we were playing board games, but... Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about getting rid of my collection, too. Because I have a lot of... We have a lot of stuff that's just, like, fat. Just trim it. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, I... That's fine, but if I look at my record collection, my record collection is for me and me only. So I don't want to get rid of that. It's, uh... Everything I had there is uh, procured for me, except for a couple things. Yeah, well, I can get rid of that Gary Clark Jr. record that sucks shit. I um, I brought my addiction over into every physical media form. So, like the digging I like doing with film doesn't translate to vinyl, and I have a lot of vinyl that. Oh, I, I yeah. disagree. No. It's a different animal. It's a yeah. different animal. Yeah, it's just not. I'm. Over it. Because here in vinyl, it's all about, uh, you know, 99 cents weird art. That's your Q zone right there. That's I got, fair. Yeah, I, got I don't I didn't buy any of, of that. weird gospel records. That's cool. And I do like, you know, when you get like a 22 kazoo band doing like national anthems. I do understand. You, do you know Michael Parks, the actor? No. Um, he was in, um, what's that Kevin Smith movie with the seal? Oh, the one I don't like. Oh wait, the one with the seal. Tusk. Tusk. Was that, that was, was a walrus. Walrus. You understand. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> the burnt actor. He was, he was the bad guy. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> that wasn't Johnny Depp. No. <laughs> Michael Parks, the brown recluse. Uh, oh, and also he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was a great actor. We lost. Uh, he was a folk singer, and I have all of his records. Oh, that's cool. So, like, yeah, you find cool stuff like that. It's great. But I, yeah, COVID killed it for me because I just don't go to record stores anymore. And then uh, America didn't go to record stores anymore. And then record stores went away. Now, me, I'm still Clark there. Still kicking. Yeah, but nothing, dude, nothing in the city anymore. You got to go to, you got to go to Berkeley or Oakland. Amoeba's on hate. Mamma Mia. Hate doesn't count. As Gee, the what city. the fuck are you talking about? No, no, no. It's not Bart adjacent, <laughs> dude. Okay. You got to, if you're not on Bart, then fucking fart, man. If you're on Bart, then I apologize. Don't sit on a needle. 
No, no. See, that's where that's where I don't understand you. You don't understand. That's where I don't understand the Bay Area. No, no, no. no. The culture Wrong. Out here is Wrong. car culture. Incorrect. It's not incorrect. Bark. It's it's a bark culture, dude. How often do you write? There bark? is some sick bark When's swag the out there on the internet, <laughs> and I'm all up in it. It's hype beast. Bart is hype beast, mm-hmm. baby. Oksana writes Bart all the time. How do you like it? I do check for syringes in the seat. <laughs> As do I. But that's living in the big city. Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> To not ride Bart, which this most of the people here don't. Incorrect. Bart moves the bay, baby. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro Bart. I like uh, taking the public transit when I can. But yeah, it's just not the most convenient. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Russell, is your problem is your problem with Bart specifically or is it with public transit? No, you know, I like the subway when I went to New York. It was always there. There are ports everywhere. You could just. That made sense to me. Bart you, you is think, not. You think Bart is bad? I think Bart is uh Subway is, Subway is way worse. Sir. Not in convenience. And what you were just complaining about. No, talking about, about rape and talking about needles. Talking about death. Nah. Talking about New York Subway. Look it up. I'm talking about Scream 6. I can't wait. Looks good. I know. Dude, I'm, I'm pumped. I mean, <laughs> I'd rather them go to space than New York. Nah. All right, close the book on that. <laughs> and I'm also excited for Megan Two, which they're already talking about. Of course they are. Yeah. Well, he. What are they going to do when they get to Megan Three? They don't. Bloom was up. talking about it before Megan was ever even out. There was Dude, like, you know. Of course they knew. There was clickbait articles on Jason Bloom broke his for his golden rule. No, they built it right. They built, dude, no, Megan was quite literally conceived in a lab and they thought everything out. So this was, uh, I mean, you, you are literally right. It's yeah. He he talked about like, um, how they nailed the script for that movie. And he's like, well, we did something I don't think a lot of people do. And we waited till Megan was created. And then we wrote the movie. He's, and he was saying, you know, a lot of the problems with monsters and movies is you write the script you want the monster you imagine and then people deliver you a monster and you're like now this doesn't even fucking make sense because you know people aren't reacting correctly to what we're they're looking at yeah so i I don't know i thought that was super interesting also made a ton of money still dude did you see how much avatar 2 made no it's creeping on 2 billion what yeah it's at 1.89 right now is that that's got to be the most ever oh yeah but who knows uh when you convert it for inflation also, or what about Bitcoin? Are people paying a Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin's <laughs> up. Randy's excited. Yeah, it was like 18 last time I checked. Yeah. Oh, wasn't it down to like 14? 12? <laughs> it was like 16 the last time I checked before I saw the 18. Okay. okay. Uh, that's, an, that's enough. Well, I no heard tolerance. when it goes below 10, it's nights out. Okay. <laughs> the Illuminati unplugs. The I saw. Light. That's all I'm saying. I don't oh, know nothing. You know, I'm, I'm not going to bring it up, but uh, I did see House Party. Clark, very disappointed you didn't come with us. Very disappointed. I was looking forward to it. You missed Kid Cuddy, or as yeah. we like to call him, Kid Cootie. Kid Cootie with a big gold um, booty. For me, stole the show. He was uh, ironic, <laughs> which I'm a huge fan of. <laughs> and he was tied in with the Illuminati, which ushered in a weird subplot of uh, homage to... Usher was there? <laughs> no. Juvenile was, though. Sorry, it spoiled oh, that Oh, shit. Um, no, it... Uh, Is that like a big reveal? There, it was the only one that was kind of like a payoff to story. 
one of the characters was like, oh, you know, my uncle, he, he had an opportunity to have a good career and he quit it and he moved to New Orleans and pursued his music. And later on when, you know, the party's going to fall through because the DJ gets high and is talking to koala was it a koala yeah yeah it's a long story uh juvenile saves the party and she's like oh yeah that's you know my uncle i talked about juvenile sick yeah no a lot of cameos in it it was fun i like his uh views towards women my uh, (laughs) my problem uh he did play back that ass up that was the song that saved the party it's a great song um a lot of nostalgia in there Uh, a couple of power rangers make an appearance and uh one just died it's fun but like dude it felt filtered Oh, it did. I was like, dude, I wish you weren't holding back. Mm. But yeah, they did have a I call that the Breda effect. <laughs> they had an eyes wide shut homage. That was a, a lot of fun. They really went for it. Nicole Kidman showed up naked. It, you know, it, it, yeah, damn it. I do have things to say about this movie. One, it's interesting that the Illuminati has entered like like urban culture. Wait, that's a plot point in this? Yeah. Because LeBron, <laughs> Terrell, you know, our partner here at the Overlook Theater, left the theater. He was like, who the hell is Illumination? I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what That's the that studio a- that gave us the minions. Dude, he was like, who's Illuminasha? I'm like, what are you making of drag? It's like drag queen names. It was hilarious, though. Um, the other thing, okay, again, I'm sorry if you're going to watch House Party and you were showing up for the story. But LeBron James does make an appearance. And it's really weird to me that his reaction to the party and at the end of the movie is him calling the police. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem to line up with like the culture. No, but he's a rat bitch. So I, I know, but I'm like, I, it's weird that they would portray him that way. No, he portrays himself that way. And he doesn't know that because he's LeBron. <laughs> he should have called China and just shut the party down. God, he has been his biggest enemy. Yeah, I don't I don't like him. He's such a bitch cuck now. And he is incredibly <laughs> charismatic though. Like him acting in that movie, I came into the movie not liking him. And um I'm like, damn, dude, if you weren't such an asshole, it'd be really easy to root for you. I'm telling you right now, if LeBron James knocks on our door, I'd fuck him <laughs> up. <laughs> damn, you could have been in the movie. I feel like that was also a plot line that uh played out well. But yeah, house house party was fun. Also, um, this past week, uh, we today I get to take down Christmas decorations, which I'm excited for. Oh, happy yeah. New Year! We did a white elephant last night. I'm not going to talk about it, but I, I just wanted to mention that I am. Here's how fucking hooked on video games I am. I had an excuse, and I threw on fucking high um high on life, and I got people to watch in entirety. The Demon Wind with commentary within the video game. Oh, my God. And I found out uh, moments before the show who does the commentary. Do you guys know? No. It's the fucking Red Letter Media guys. Ah. So I guess that game really um, supported a lot of content creators on YouTube and brought them in. Thanks for the heads up, fellas. Here's the thing. <laughs> hey, well, they- we got Barbados boys, so fuck <laughs> off, video Yeah, we game. have an award, so yeah. shut the hell up. Um, Bitches. And they did a great job. It's a good, like, it was also kind of fun how often people were asking, like, wait, wait, so we're just watching the movie? They were confused that we were watching a movie because it was in a video game. So even though we had been watching movies, now it was like a weird thing we were doing. That is the most you thing you could possibly do. I know, dude, it it was fun. I'm like, hey, this is the only way you can watch it. Also found out moments before this that you can watch it with commentary on YouTube. 
I don't know if that's going to get pulled down, Damn. but apparently it is up on YouTube. Um, also, moments before the show, I was talking to my sister, who is uh, babysitting currently, and she's like, oh, did you know about like Justin Rowland's felony domestic violence charges? Yeah. <laughs> who? Justin <laughs> Rowland, uh, co-creator of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Oh, okay. And he did High on Life. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, can I... Can we just separate real life from creators? So what happened? What did he do? I don't know. Raped and murdered a girl or something? Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Wait, did he murder someone? No. I don't even think you... I don't. I have no idea. I saw the headline, which is right in front of me. Uh, the Rick and Morty high on life creator was arrested and charged in 2020, but the case remained quiet until 2022. Uh, that's uh, this article came up two days ago, so I guess it's bubbling up. You'll probably hear about it. What were the What are the charges, sir? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, did uh, see a uh, rather long Twitter thread from uh, some uh, female account on Twitter who uh, apparently had interacted with Justin Roiland back in the day. Uh, and she took a bunch of screenshots of the uh, messages and the he DM'd her or she DM'd him, I think, when she was 16. And there's a lot of uh, rather sketchy. I didn't read the whole thread because it's rather long, but there's a lot of uh, pretty sketchy stuff in there. So RIP Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> what about your boy? Can't he come in? The patron saint in comedy? Dan Harmon? Yeah. Maybe. Or you think he's going to turn on him? You think he's going to start tweeting? Yeah, he's always been a creep. Fire him. I think people have their issues with Dan Harmon, too, but I think he's just kind of a dick to people. But I don't know if he... Yeah. I don't know. He could be sketchy, too. Who knows? Whatever. I bet he's a pervert. Why are all articles from, like, three days ago? And, like, I don't up know. to yesterday? But, you know, my sister who's young, she's in the uh, last alphabet generation. If, when she delivers me something, it's usually day of, and I've, you know... <laughs> is, so that, is, I know. That, is that the last Criterion release? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last alphabet generation. All right. Well, um, David Lynch, it, we've still not taken our calls, and nobody suggested anybody else. And Oh, I got video game news, too. I bought a new video game. Okay. <laughs> For $1.97. They remastered the Nintendo 64 release of Doom. All right. <laughs> it's tight. I also have video game news. All right. <laughs> um, I like this turn we were taking. The game series The Last of Us, the HBO series made from the game, airs tonight at 9 p.m. All right. Oh, good. I also have date news. Um, we are recording. Oh, my God. It went away. But I also have January 15th. It is a Sunday. So when is this episode going up? Tuesday. Okay. So it'll be a little bit more uh, relevant. Well, yeah, pretty relevant. Okay, I have a comforting news to Randy's news regarding <laughs> video games. I, the last of ones I heard that that's uh, quite an incredible game. Russ, do you have any interest in playing that game? I was very, very good. the game years ago. Yeah. Somebody's saying this is an incredible game. You should play it. Yeah. And I said, yeah, sure. And then I went, fucking idiot. And I put it on my shelf. It's still there. I heard it's very, very, very good. Yeah, I know. And not like uh, TWD at all. I understood. <laughs> Unfortunately, I knew what you were saying. Man, this show. Man, when that show started to suck gravel, boy, did it suck. <laughs> it sucked salt, man. It got rough. Is it still on or do they end it? Isn't it just little spinoffs now? There's like nine spinoffs. I but think, the, yeah. There's also nine spinoffs of fucking... Uh, What's that show? 
the no western idea. one with Kevin Costner? I have no idea. Whatever the dumb thing is. There's like nine spinoffs of that bullshit. Paramount. The yeah. Dead ended this year. Last year. Unbelievable. What's Carl 36 now? <laughs> Carl! <laughs> All right, so video games covered, uh, zombies covered. Anything else up top, boys? Nothing? I don't think so. Okay. Russell? No. So should I go see House Party for you? I want to no, circle back on it's that. too late. You missed it. it <laughs> that window was that, it was that short yeah. of a span. You go there now, especially out here, there'll be nobody in the theater. It'll be incredibly lame. That's tight. That's my cue zone, dude. Yeah. You See, know, that's where Randy and I, we thrive, dude. You know, they say Q-Zone in High on Life a lot, and I wonder if it's because Tim Robinson is in the game. It's very possible. Yeah. Is he a big character in the game? He's one of the Gatlings. He's a gun you can use. Oh. That's the major problem with that game, is that you have four different guns that all are voiced by different comedians. Yeah. So you can either have Morty, you can either have... um. Uh, our boy from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. JB Smooth. JB, which, you know, at first I didn't like using him. I I need to rebeat the game to get an achievement, and I'm using him the whole time. He might be my favorite. And Tim Robinson, I love the fool, but the character he's playing is kind of boring. Yeah. So, yeah. But they all have different dialogue with every NPC. So if you do, if you fight a boss, they say completely different things. It's It's rough. Again, that's all available on YouTube, so you don't have to play it. Okay. Yeah. All right. High on Life, created by a sex offender <laughs> who grooms young girls. All right. Kicking off that is Randy Michael Stapp <laughs> talking about what he's seen this past week in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, Randy, as you know, out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, boy, we've been handling these storms as well as we can. You know, one day I'm going to have to kayak to work. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about? It's, uh, the, the problem is, it's just the, the predictable unpredictability at this juncture. We've had like one day of not rain. The rest has rained. Uh, yeah. and we've also had little pop-up thunderstorms, which are just, uh, odd out here, but, uh, almost died. Uh, trying to smoke a marijuana cigarette outside. So uh, fun times are had. So how's the weather out there in Atlanta? Good now, minus the uh, tornado warning on a Thursday afternoon. But yeah, a little cold, but it's good. And I, you know, a, a proper January. Yeah, I've been seeing you guys had a lot of sinkholes as well. Wait, really? I yeah. Didn't, I, didn't yeah. You. I heard there was a big one on the 92. Oh, of course, of course, there's a sinkhole in the 92. As, as as certain as I am that I'm talking to you, that there'd be a sinkhole, the stupid ass 92. Where? Like going towards Half Moon Bay? I don't know. Somewhere in San Mateo County. Yep. That's our girl. All right, Randy. <laughs> what else you got? Yeah, speaking of uh, intense weather, I watched a movie called Plane. No, you didn't. Yeah, I went, uh, I was going to go Thursday night, but then I saw that we were having a tornado potentially, so I uh, decided to go on Friday. But yeah, I saw the new Gerard Butler film. Hell yeah. Or Plane, directed by Jean-Francois Richet, who did uh, the Mezrin movies, which I found out with Vincent Cassell, which uh, 
I really dug those back in the day. I think they came out when I was like in uh, community college. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about playing. Uh, I thought, you know, just the title being so uh, just plain, I thought would be maybe a little, maybe the movie would be a little more fun, but it's just a, just kind of a Gerard Butler sort of action movie. They land, uh, there's a crash landing because they lose all the electronics on the plane. And Gerard Butler is the captain of the plane. And he lands uh, on the Jolo Islands, which is like in the Philippines. On the Jolo Islands. <laughs> apparently, you. I don't know if this was made up or if this is real, but apparently the Jolo Islands are like, <laughs> like run by just like uh, like gangs and like criminals and stuff. And so they land in this very like sketchy area and they like take the passengers hostage. And then somehow he like, you know, gets in contact with people uh, back home and then they uh, send a crew in to come and rescue them. But um, on the plane, there is a, uh, a convicted felon. I think he was a, a murderer or something. And he's like handcuffed and he has a security guard or whatever. So at first they're like, kind of like sketched out. They're like, Hey, maybe like don't talk to this guy too much or whatever. But uh, he ends up being very clutch for the situation they're in. And he may be the best part of the movie, uh, for me at least. He, uh, I don't know, I don't find Gerard Butler that, like, entertaining or something. Like, I'd rather watch a Liam Neeson's movie. Yeah. But uh, Mike Coulter is the actor who plays Lewis. Uh, he plays the convicted uh, murderer or felon, and then he uh, kicks some ass in the, uh, in the Jolo Islands. Island. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish it was a little more fun, but uh, yeah, it's whatever. It's like a, it's like two and a half for me. Dude, Randy. Yeah, I really re- recommend. The poster looks like the type of film I run away from. It yeah, I mean. so fucking boring. Between that and the trailer, I kind of figured that like they weren't <laughs> actually having that much fun with it. Yeah. I was like, it's just called Plane. I want to just like go see a movie <laughs> that's just called Plane, so. I had to do it. And I have the uh, AMC Stubbs A-list, so uh, that was one of my three movies this month. You were reclining back in the red or black chair? Red chair. I think they were black chairs. And oh. They also have seat warmers at the uh, theater that I go to. Get out of town. It's pretty tight. It gets too hot, actually, sometimes. Oh, yeah, I bet with your cute little butt sitting down there. <laughs> now, Randy, do you, have a, uh, do you have an IC? Do you have a fountain soda? What's going on? I don't think I had anything, no. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, have a, I may have had a, uh, a freestyle uh, zero. Yeah, you got to do a freestyle. Monkey with it. I've been getting freestyles and I've been getting zeros a lot. Coke zeros for those uh, listening. I've been getting that at the theater quite often. Can I tell you something? If Cinemark would get their act together and get some freestyles in there, life yeah. would be just better. Why? In business. why do they have the antiquated soda machine? It's horrible. No good. That's why I usually go icy in there. Cinemark, get it together. Randy, movie two. Sure. Yesterday I went to uh, the Plaza Theater that I talk about here all the time and went to a, uh, a double feature. I made a double feature. And I saw the movie EO. Oh, shit. Uh, Polish director Jerry Jersey? Skolomowski. <laughs> the hell did you just say to me? I thought it was Jerry, but it's a uh, Jersey. I think he's a, uh, he's made a lot of movies that I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I think he's a uh, sort of well-known in the uh, art house crowds. Skolomowski. <laughs> 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 
But yeah, the movie uh, EO follows a donkey who encounters, I'm reading from IMDb, who encounters on his journeys good and bad people, experiences joy and pain exploring a vision of modern Europe through his eyes. Uh, So this movie essentially opens, uh, he is like a, like a uh, circus, you know, performer or whatever. And he has like a trainer and uh, essentially it opens with like him doing a thing like in the circus. And there's just like this very like expressionistic, like uh, just like all red and black uh, sort of like images. And they're all like shroby. It opens like pretty experimentally. Um, and then, yeah, he ends up getting taken from his trainer because, uh, people are protesting and saying that like they're treated like poorly and whatnot. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how he starts his journey through, uh, Europe encountering random scenes of, uh, of people and different situations. But, um, yeah, this movie looks, uh, beautiful. There's a ton of like the intro. There's a lot of like parts that just kind of seem like an experimental film or something that you would just see like projected on like a, you know, a wall and like an art uh, gallery or something. Um, Great to look at um, for the most part. And there's a lot of like, some of the situations are like rather expected that he like runs into. And um, I don't know, working with animals, just like getting a, a performance out of an animal, quote unquote, seems so like strange, but you definitely anthropomorphize. Well, I guess he's already in, Animal. You definitely feel like the animal <laughs> is like evoke, evoking emotions. Yeah. It's probably more of a Kuleshov effect um, type of thing where you just like, you know, you see him making a face and then you kind of, um, you know, put it in your own perspective based on like what else is happening. But um, it's pretty good. Uh, I don't love it as much as a lot of other people, but um, yeah, it's, it's great to look at. And uh, I definitely, uh, I don't know how wide it's playing, but definitely uh, would recommend seeing it. If It sounds like your thing. Well, Randy, it's clear you don't care about animals. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you're not an animal guy. What? Well, yeah. I, I like an animal. I like a dog. Have you ever had a dog? No, but mostly because uh, part of my family is allergic. There it is. It's always something. <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. A couple questions. So, all right. So, did the did the donkey go on the run or something? So, it's just, uh, we're just following <laughs> like this lonesome donkey? Pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, he gets captured because, yeah, they say that the uh, circus performers and trainers are treating them um, not well, even though it seems like he's happy there. Surprise, surprise. And then uh, from there, he he escapes multiple situations uh, himself, and he kind of, like, goes on the run, and then he's just kind of, like, walking down roads, and it does more, like, experimental kind of, like, stroby footage and stuff. Um, yeah. Now, also... This kind of reminds me, is there a lot of dialogue here? Not really. There was more human stuff in it than I expected, but not really a ton of dialogue. You know, because I, I we, we get these sort of experimental, you know, animal films. Uh, yeah. You know, this is not uncommon. Like, I remember, like, dude, this goes back. Do you remember that ki- that movie from like the 90s called The Bear? It was like, no. it was like a French film. Um, I was given this. Uh, as a Christmas present by my aunt in like circa 1991, 1988. 1988. I think the movie came out. 1988. I got this in like 92, 93 on VHS called The Bear, and it's a bear just, you know, chilling around, and he ate some mushrooms, and it gets a little trippy, and you watch it as a child, oh, yeah. and you're like, okay, this is we
An orphan bear cub hooks up with an adult male as they try to dodge human hunters. So it's about Nambla. <laughs> <laughs> In the bear world. A nice little story for the kids about this, the start of Nambla. Also bear. Gay. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's okay. All there right. was also that a uh, pig movie called Gunda from last year or a year before that that I saw. Okay. Y'all stop talking about these dumbass movies. They're all fucking ripoffs of the one, the one and only animal movie that tells the tale of simple life in America. Of course, Bambi. we're talking about Babe. No, we follow a pig around. He has a great time. It's fantastic. White dog. Also, donkeys. Here's the problem. Randy, you watched a rude ass movie. And I, it, honestly, it's kind of like. We're invading the animal world. We're really doing them harm because animals are utility. Fucking they animals. are free of human emotions. Yet, you know, through our narratives, we imprint our horrid emotions. That donkey didn't give a fuck where he was. Yeah. Yet we like, I saw the trailer. They try to have a little tear come from his eye. Sure. Oh, boo-hoo. Donkey yeah. doesn't give a shit. It's a mammal. That's also, why. Six donkeys played that one donkey. Really? They're interchangeable. Hell yeah. Disney is the start of all this. The evil mouse. He created these animal narratives. They have to have six donkeys because of donkey union rules. <laughs> Didn't run. you watch the rehearsal? Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. EO looked good. I read a review on there that I think um, our buddy Dave Robinson wrote. Robson. Yeah. Who's the, Robinson? The, the center for the <laughs> San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. The uh, former programmer over at the Yerba Buena Cinema. Um he wrote something about the other animals that they encounter are just as interesting as the donkey. Yeah. What other animals does he meet up with? A CG snail. Like a, like a drug dealing tarantula or something. Ooh. No, there's like various horses and stuff in the movie. He like ends up in a stable at a couple of times or once or twice and, uh, escapes that situation. And, uh, there's a racist tortoise. <laughs> <laughs> He's bigoted. He's just so slow and angry. Get out of here, you Jew donkey. <laughs> You're taking all the jobs. <laughs> I don't know, man. It looks I, I I think I would like it a lot. I want to see it. It's cool. I think it uh just played the Roxy last week or something. So uh stop looking at our theaters. Yeah, what you, the you fuck? abandoned our state. Stop looking at our schedules. I still uh, follow the Roxy on Instagram, and I may or may not have uh, donated to their most recent... Uh, oh, okay, fine. Well, I'm just going to fucking look up what's going on at the plaza every fucking day and donate to their stupid ass. Do it. <laughs> All right. Uh-oh. Yeah. What was the other part of that double feature? Uh, yeah, I saw Broker, which is the new Hirokazu Koreeda film who did Shoplifters from a couple of years ago. Still didn't see that, but I know. Oh, uh, great movie. Um, this movie uh, features Song Kang-ho, who is in Parasite, uh, and he works with, um, what's his name? The director of Parasite a lot. Was, it, was this the daddy? Correct, yeah. Okay, Parasite. Uh, yeah, he was in Memories of Murder and The Host and Snowpiercer oh, as well. I'll go watch that. Can we pause and I'll go watch that and we'll be right back? <laughs> what a great film. Randy, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it's good. Continue. So essentially, uh, the movie starts off with a woman who drops off a, a baby at a church. There is a um, essentially a box where you can uh, abandon babies or leave your baby. What? <laughs> 
uh, it, it, there's this box where essentially you can put your baby if you decide to uh, get rid of your child or if it's too much for you or whatever. Um, so nope. she, Russ, Oksana, there are options. <laughs> Just say it. She leaves the child and she leaves it with a note that says that uh, she'll be back for it. But the people that are running the operation, uh, they kind of disregard the note because they say that, you know, nine out of 10 people say they're going to come back and like a very, very, very small percentage of them actually come back. No. And uh, Song Kang Ho's character is in on this uh, deal with the church. And what he does with uh, some various other people is that uh, he works with the uh, the person from the church. So inside the box, there's like a video camera. Um, so I think people can see and so they can like, you know, not leave it there for too long. But what they do is they delete the footage and they take the uh, baby and instead of bringing it to an orphanage or whatever, they bring it in and they pretend it's their child so they can um, get money for it in an adoption uh, situation. So looking for people to adopt these babies. Um, and essentially the person that did drop off the baby that said she was going to be back uh, does show back up in their life and then the rest of this movie is kind of them. Um, so he works with like one other sort of younger guy and then it's her and then it's like this younger kid. Um, they're all in this like dilapidated, kind of looks like a VW like um, van. I don't think it's a VW, but it's kind of got that like kind of like boxy shape. And uh, yeah, it's them kind of just going around Korea and trying to uh, meet people to essentially be the parents of this baby. And then there is also some um, police people that are after them because they kind of figure out what are what they're doing uh, with the situation. And then there's some uh, some intense stuff there. But uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Like shoplifters, it's kind of like a movie about family, but not like blood family. Um, essentially these people are like kind of get pretty close and there's a lot of like, you know, situations with them on the road where it's just kind of like, they're just kind of hanging out and having fun and they definitely like feel like a family unit. Um, but yeah, I, I just really like how he takes these sort of like difficult situations or sort of like difficult people and like really makes you care for them and kind of like actually kind of understand the situation. Um, quite a bit. Um, but yeah, this was really good. I, uh, I'd say it's a four for me. Oh, it made the breach. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. Man, it is. That's rare air here, Randy. Koreans know what's up, dude. Korean dramas, Korean, uh, horror. It's good stuff. Korean fried chicken. True. Barbecue. Rice. They do it all. <laughs> Very good. Also, Randy, you were talking about the car. Um, naturally I got hung up on that. Uh, it could have been a Hyundai. I think Hyundai is, sure. uh, probably, uh, one of the top brands in Korea, you know, maybe a Kia. Okay. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure Honda is running things over there. All right. Pam at the white elephant party, uh, the people, racially ambiguous pachyderm party. A couple of people connected on owing, owning Kias. And I, me and Jasadi had the fantastic pleasure of telling them about the Kia boys. And they were just like, oh, maybe that's why our cars got recalled. <laughs> Dude, Kia's that's got fun. recalled? Yeah. Do you, oh, know, do you know the Kia boys? I don't know the Kia okay, boys. That, we don't need to get into that. It's, uh, there was a viral like sensation mm -hmm. on TikTok. These uh, kids showed people how to steal Kias with the USB. 
Really? And, uh, yeah, it was a huge problem. Whoa. So the hashtag is banned. That's crazy. Yeah. And they, like people would just be like, do it then. They're like, okay. And they'd find one and just start it up and drive around. Huh. That's insane. Yeah. And also, <laughs> a huge problem. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. They were both pumped. They're like, what year's your Kia? He's like 2023. 20, I'm like, damn, okay, humble brag. We're about to Kia boy your ass. Yeah, but see, the internet's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's cool. All right, Randy, anything else, bad? Uh, no, I'm just going to say I'm an Ikea boy. Oh, my God. <sighs> He's always coming in. <laughs> He's coming in hot, boys and girls. All right. Uh, so I got two movies. Uh, the first movie I want to talk about is going to be, this is the, the inaugural offering in a new segment um, that we're going to do here. Um, and, uh, yeah. Clark's cool guys. I fucking hate it. <laughs> okay. You love it so much. <laughs> this is, I just, so you actually did a cool, do you have your segment too? What's your cool guy what segment? segment? The, no, I mean the, oh, the my, intro. Yeah, I do. Yeah, play, play your cool guy. All right. Fuck you, fuckball. Now play Michael. Okay. (laughs) I want to give respect to what we consider the cool guy movie. Now, (laughs) it's part of this, you know, uh, as this ongoing um, exploration of the cool guy film. Um, you know, I, I don't know where, what direction this will take us, but guys and gals and non-binary pals, huh? Everybody. I stole that from my boy, J. Kenji Alt Lopez. It may be Lopez Alt. I get confused with his name sometimes. It's a lot. It's very confusing, but he's, he's very talented chef. Um, he wrote a cookbook about how to properly use a wok. I need to get that. She likes to walk and roll. (laughs) I'm afraid of the precedent that has been set with this new theme song. I'm afraid and excited at the same time. It's more of a theme riff. It is. It's good. All right. No, here's the thing. So I I, I watched this movie. The movie is called High Heat. From 2022, <laughs> from director Zach Golden and writer James Pedersen. When the local mafia shows up right then and there, you know mm-hmm. we're in safe territory. When the local mafia shows up to burn down her restaurant, Anna, a chef with a meticulous past, an odd word for that, defends her turf and proves her knife skills both in <laughs> and out of the kitchen. <laughs> Uh, this is starring Olga Kurilenko, uh, who Randy uh, noticed because, uh, Randy, what was this young lady in that you uh, you seen? She's in a uh, movie with Tom Cruise, and I'm forgetting the name, and she's also in um, To the Wonder, the Terrence Malick film. Uh, she was in the 2013 film Oblivion. Uh, yeah, I think it's the director of uh, Top Gun Maverick. 
Oh, thank you very much. Oh, she, uh, Randy, she was also a Bond girl. Okay. She was in Quantum of Solace from 2008 and, uh, oh, Russell. She was in Hitman, dude. All right. <laughs> you ever watch that hunk of snot? Is that a video game movie? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm pro video game now, so man. I know. Do you ever play Hitman? No. It's very fun. I'm not an idiot. No, but you should watch Conan play it. It was very <laughs> fun. That was a good episode. Uh, she's great. I also saw her in a Netflix uh, series this week, uh, which I will not talk about because it sucked shit. Now, <laughs> uh, High Heat. It's got, she's in it. We got Don Johnson. The man who plays the heavy is a man who is near and dear to my heart, and I think everybody on this show's heart. It's the great Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. He plays the heavy. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, and then also another guy who I want to talk about, uh, Chris Diamantapo. Oh, boy. Delia. Chris Diamantapo. Randy, can you say it? <laughs> I, I, I can't do it either. I thought it was Dino Samantopoulos for a second. Yeah, I know. That's what I want to say. Randy, give it a shot. I have to pull it up again. <laughs> Diamantapoulos. Oh, I can't do it. Yeah, close enough. All right. Anyway, uh, he's from Silicon Valley, and he is fantastic. Y'all, the first 20, 25 minutes of this was rough. I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it through because it just, everything was very, very cut, and it was cookie cutter, and nothing was standing out, and uh, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of passion behind what was happening in this production. Um, then some new characters came in and gave this story brand new life, gave it blood, gave it energy. And I had a pretty fun time with this movie, uh, with zero expectations. And I think just to a bigger point, cause we're dealing with, so I was thinking about this, like this movie, you can, you've got to put it into its place, right? This is a comedy this is an action comedy movie, right? Because we're leaning pretty heavily on those two things. Mm -hmm. But we're not fully committed to either. So we're kind of in that weird territory. And also, this has a budget, but it doesn't have a huge budget. And you can tell that by, you know, the characters we have in this movie. So with every production, there's a certain amount of budget for this. So based upon your budget, you can get certain talent to go along with that budget. So you've, <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm getting, I, I'm painting a bigger, bigger picture here. Cause what I'm saying is, is that in these types of movies, you see a lot of these same people and you, you, and Don Johnson is one of the, he's one of the guys in this sort of zone. And you see him in these low budget movies that don't go anywhere and then occasionally you'll see him pop up in a low budget that movie that doesn't go anywhere that has a little bit of clout to it because it's a S. Craig Zoller movie or something like that. But it's still the same zone. So what I'm saying is, is that even though we're in this sort of, you know, mid tier, lower than blockbuster action comedy movie. There's a lot of diamonds in the rough, so you never know what you're going to get because sometimes you'll get like a cop shop. I had a great time with Cop Shop. And so for me, that's like the, the pinnacle of what we can kind of hit in these movies that basically kind of serve as a platform for these various actors with various um, uh, work histories and resumes that we're familiar with to shine. 
for a little bit. And that's what these movies can serve as. It serve as, you know, a perfect vehicle for these character actors to blossom. And if you write them a good part, they can deliver. It's hit and miss with this movie. Cop Shop did a great job of that. High Heat does a decent job of this. Um, and uh, the first main character that really stole the show uh, was this actor, Jackie Long. Fuck, I had the whole thing recorded on my phone. He had a great line that I recorded and I was going to play it. And I forgot it because my phone's in the other room because I don't want to break my rule of not having my phone in this room. I also, Randy, I also don't want to talk on my computer anymore because I need less distraction. So we're trying to figure that out as well. Do it. Thank you so much. <laughs> but, uh, dude, he, when he came in, it was started to be funny. The, the jokes actually came. And then the whole tone of the movie shifted because just the way there was a certain act and there's no, there's no reason for me to, to call out actors that, you know, I didn't appreciate what was happening um, with their interpretation. So I'm not here to do that. What I am saying though, is that when you front, when, when that's front loaded, it was an uphill battle trying to get somewhere. And then we, and, and then uh, Chris Diamatapotula showed up with uh Caitlin Doubleday, and they have a couple, they have a pair of twins. They have one pair of twins that do the whole shining thing. You need quirky hitmen. That is a staple. Sorry, I had to take some water here. That's a staple to the cool guy movie. Russell, don't you agree? Like, you need to have a quirky hitman. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, familiar with all the tropes. Honestly, when I was looking at this movie while you're talking, this movie seems more like a genre film. Like it's doing weird shit. Like they're in the kitchen. And I don't know. It seems more interesting than just like gun-toting, card-playing losers. That's what it's at at its core. Yeah. So essentially what you've got is Kuralinko is, all right, listen to this. This is just, this is what we're dealing with. She, she is a, she's a fine chef. Okay. She's also a Russian chef. I don't think I have to tell you that that's a pretty rare occasion for that to happen, for a Russian to be a classically trained French chef. Uh, but it's the movies, it's Hollywood, let's have a good time. Don Johnson plays her new husband, uh, who, and this is marriage number four, by the way. <laughs> that's a running joke in the movie. He buy, he gets her this restaurant, and as we learn from Diamond Dallas Page, who basically is his, uh, I don't know if he's a bookie, he's a mob boss. Anyway, uh, Don Johnson owes $1.3 million. If he owed $1.3 billion, this is a completely different movie. But he owed $1.3 million to, to DDP. Um, and also, from what we know about DDP, uh, and Don Johnson's relationship. Don Johnson has tried to open up several restaurants and they don't work out too good. So DDP was like, well, we're going to burn down your restaurant to get some money. And then Kurlinko's like, psych, I used to be in the KGB. So I'm about to <laughs> fuck y'all up. So that's what happens. So she defends her restaurant. And then also um, DDP tries to send in a SWAT. Now listen to this. They also discuss the budgets. in the It was actually a very funny scene. Um, where he orders like you know fifteen a SWAT team members to come because he made the call. He's like, I don't care what it costs. 
Well, as it turns out, it only cost $10,000. I'm like, if it only costs $10,000 to get a SWAT team out, I wish I knew that before. That's a, <laughs> make that stretch. But they actually talked about, well, if we go over four hours, we're going to need a break. And then they would, they just broke down like the whole labor laws of the SWAT team. And it worked within the context of the film because nothing is serious because DDP is not a good actor, but he's fun to watch on screen. And his, yeah, it, it's just, uh, it was fun for what it is. If you have no expectations, then you're going to have a great time. I, yeah, there's a high heat. It's fun. There, there, there's fun to be had here. Um, and some actors are really, uh, they're really doing some interesting things here. And that's what makes this movie um, worth going to see. Uh, <laughs> the script is interesting enough. The directing, the musical choices, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, it, it got a little rough there. They got, they were doing really cute things at the beginning. Like, you know how in, 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 uh, the best way for me to describe it would be sort of, uh, John Williams did the score for, um, Home Alone, right? Oh, I don't know. Did he not? But do you, you know, you know that type of music, right? Just that, that anytime you would see the sticky bandits or the yeah. wet bandits pop up, you would hear that, that, you know, playful coy string music ba, 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 ba. Mm -hmm. that shit would happen when these two retards were trying to kill this russian chef and one also one uh caught on fire very good effect that was great they did a very good job with the fire no cg fire real fire good job high heat <laughs> damn i used to we used to have an ongoing joke about that like that beethoven kind of like boop, 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 boop. i hate that shit Full Moon used to do it a lot too, and it was really bad yeah. Casio keyboard shit. I hate it. And there would be a, like, well, they hired Wesley Willis, so yo, that would be <laughs> way more interesting. Of course, it would. That homogenized find a like it's like some narrative helping bullshit. Like, hey, this could be an actual day. It's like you know you have a little kid and he's crawling on the side of a cliff, and it's like beep beep beep. What you're doing there is you're telling the audience, don't worry, this is all in good fun. Yeah, and it's like fuck you, Baby's Day Out. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, Richie Rich, dude. Baby's Day Out, fucking rips, dude. <laughs> Man, I hate that movie. I mean that music. Dude, also, but, you're right; it was John Williams. But that, yeah. So that was it. It was just that playful sort of string bullshit. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I don't care for this at all. But. I don't know, man. I think it's uh, it's that's part of the game with these sort of things, and um, I I like that weirdness where it's kind of stuck in the middle and it wants to be bigger than what actually it is. But uh, and yeah, it's all part of the game. And I I don't know. I like these movies. They're fun, uh, and uh, I will t continue to showcase them because they're important. Now hit it. Thank you. Also, boy, <laughs> if we really want to be disrespectful, we would hit that cue for this next movie we're going to talk about. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. So let's do it this way. We went to the Alamo Draft House New Mission Theater in beautiful yet rainy San Francisco, California. On what day was this? On Wednesday? Yep. Wednesday we went uh, up there. And uh, we saw uh, our friend Jake Isgar, a uh, programmer of all Alamos, as I've, I've recently been told. Uh, so our, our buddy done got big over there at Jake. Jake's been on the show and a uh, friend to the show. Oh, Jake, 
Caught up. When was the last time we saw Jake? It's been a while, huh? Wednesday. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Before that, I think when he was on. When was that? Like a year ago? I don't know. It was a while ago. Yeah. Was September 2021. What? No. No, because when did we watch a... No. 20... Really? Yeah. What episode was it? Man. 276. God. Dude. Oh, no. We're... Was he on? He was again on again after that, right? I thought he was. I don't think so. I think he was. Uh, I searched his name and that's the only episode <laughs> that showed up. Well, I mean, dude. We're on episode three ninety nine right oh, now. Oh no, we he showed up again uh, under the code name Nigel Bach. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I use that one. I don't think Nigel's been on like five years. Uh, so uh, Wednesday, went to the Alamo to see Soft and Quiet. Now I think this movie has been out. Uh, is that right? I know it was in the festival circuit, but I think this movie that on the poster I know it says November fourth, but. In today's crazy world, you don't know what any of that means. But I think this has been out on VOD for a little while. Randy, did you uh, did you know about this? Yeah, did you hear about uh, this? Yeah, I saw Robbie Smith uh, review it a while ago, and uh, I, I saw that it is now on VOD. Uh, it actually showed up in like the I don't know, like the indies section on iTunes this week. So I don't know how long it's been there, but it's definitely up there now. Playing out in real time. An elementary school teacher organizes a mixer of like-minded women when she encounters a woman from her past, leading to a volatile chain of events. Now, we will uh, we will <laughs> we will speak soft and quietly uh, regarding the interworkings of this film because uh, because it is new and it is kind of uh, leaning on uh, you know a, a big uh, sort of event. It happens in a, uh, a plot device that kind of carries the core of this movie. And I know Randy has, Randy, you've not seen this, correct? But you are interested? Uh, yeah, I'm debating it. I may. All right. But I mean, Russ, how, how do we want to play this? I'm, I've been talking about this film too much. So I'm kind of like. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot to talk about. Just go for it. I'll, uh, I'm sure you'll do a great job. Well, and I'll. What I'm saying in. is, I don't want to. I mean, I feel like we have to talk about it without talking about it, but we're going to, but I mean, there's the one word we're going to have to say it's about, I guess, because it, you know, I personally don't care if that's what you're worried about. I know people are listening, but I'm just saying the whole thing is centered around race. So that's, that's what we're dealing with. Uh, I think it might just be around like the alt right too. Like, I think it's more, which is never said in the film. Yeah, I know. I, again, we did see it with the Q and A. So our um, with the director uh, who is from San Francisco, Beth D. Uh, oh boy, Arahu. I don't know. She is a uh, Chinese American and Brazilian. The Portuguese. Let me tell you something. Uh, I got a buddy from work. He's Portuguese. He's from Brazil. Portuguese. That's a tricky language, friend. I don't know what's going on there. Like you want to tell somebody what's up? It's like E I E I O or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> You're already avoiding talking Ooh, about the Portuguese. <laughs> no, I'm just saying Portuguese is cool. Um, no. So here's here's the thing. I did first of all, I did not know that this was a Warner. Um, and I feel like I definitely should have known that because I I subscribe to Warner Weekly. You know, the America's favorite. <laughs> 
periodical regarding everything that comes out in, in one shot. And uh, the reason why I don't know is because it's been very quiet um, for every single article that has been released uh, because it's not real. And I have abandoned that bit. We're going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> I love Wonders. Wonders are fun. This by far is the most depressing, sad Wonder I've ever experienced. Wonders add to the excitement. You see them in high-tension situations. This would be considered a high-tension situation. And the Wonder, to me, paired very well with what we were seeing on screen. And what we were seeing on screen was anywhere from seven to four uh, women uh, who were very uh, burrowed in their beliefs, uh, trying to hmm, both exacerbate and expel a situation at the same time. Uh, to varying degrees of success and failure. Oh, I did a pretty good job of saying something and nothing at the exact same time. <laughs> and look, I, you know, let's talk about the good here. What's the good? First thing, technically. Technically, this, again, the, the wonder, everything was done um, artfully, thoughtfully, and beautifully. It's all about, you know, you've got to have the, the, the rigid structure of having everything set up, like with blocking and whatnot. You've got to have that. So you've got to have that solid operational background. Then you've got to have actors who can play. And I think that that beautiful combination of those two things is what made this movie special. And there was something special about this movie. Oh, I don't know why Mario showed up. <laughs> there was something special about this movie. But, the, but man, the dialogue concerning race and alt-right and the Nazi cake. Yes, there's a cake with a pie with a Nazi symbol. Fucking meme it right now. It's just, it's exhausting. We're not bringing a whole lot to the table. It's, 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 it's overtly cartoonish. And I think that's where it starts to, to get into a territory of intent. Why is it overtly cartoonish? Is it supposed to be overtly cartoonish? What, why, why is it coming across this way? I don't know. Give me something. And in the third act, they start to. There starts to be a little bit more substance here because um, the performances really kick up a notch for me and everything that was laying down in the groundwork in Act 1 kind of supported everything that was happening in Act 3. And I like the characters. I like the characters that were built here. I like this weird um, little universe. Um, I liked all the little things in here. But just the purpose of what you're telling me in this story, okay, I, I it just I yeah I I it it just comes across to me as as pandering and inauthentic, um, it, and seeing this in San Francisco with a Q and A, um, it's about what that experience, what we had is about what you can expect there. Um, to where, you know, some people, 
you know, they they totally forgot that the purpose of a Q&A is to bring a Q to the equation. And I brought a Q to the equation as, you know, I talked about Jan 6. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Thank you so much. <laughs> it is weird. I've been to two um, screenings out here that had Q&As open up with the host warning the crowd, I expect questions and here are two you can't ask. Like instant, like, warning and like of filtration it, it weird i i guess the q a's out here have been getting worse man yeah I, anyway you know I, I i i've been talking about this movie a lot and i think there is value in art that makes people talk about it but i think the, the problem here is that it's getting sensationalized because basically you're trapped in a room with five people who are like the most vile conjurings of what like a racist might be yeah and um, they get, again, it's called Soft and Quiet because it's about like, I guess the the nightmare here is that it's um, the American pie, you know, the cherry pie. And the problem being within the picket fenced white uh, suburban house and how there's this like boiling hatred growing out of it. My problem was that um, I've had the uh, I love people. And I've had to work with people who were self-proclaimed racist before. Yeah. And, you know, instantly when people are like that, I have to engage them. I'm like, okay, so you realize everybody hates racist, right? Why would you call yourself this? <laughs> and, you know, usually they're not white people. I've, I've known a lot of, like, pro, like, La Raza dudes. And here's the thing. You talk to them. I mean, I'm like, heart, I don't look Mexican. I do have it in my blood, but they're not testing me. And I can't speak Spanish, <laughs> which comes up a lot. Like, oh, how come you don't know how to speak it? Oh, you don't love your hair? Whatever. That's a different thing. But the thing is, when you talk to racists, they usually have terrible arguments and they fall apart immediately. Yeah. Because like, wait, you're racist with your friends with them. So there's a lot of trouble and like nuance when you're uh, dealing with them. So what do you do? You just don't add any to your movie. This is a, uh, this is a meeting of straw men getting together and, uh, portraying the nightmare that is you know deep within every city right now and it just man they didn't add anything that first act i felt trapped like you said it's like what are we doing like you instant like within five minutes you know where we're going but there's no interesting conversation to it it's just like imagine you go on 4chan and you try to find the most vile thread header and then you're just like i'm just gonna read this for a half hour yeah like you're not learning anything and Honestly, it was so distracting that I didn't even realize it was a oneer. And then yes. as we move into the movie, here's the thing. Fucking fantastic technical work. Man. Incredible. And in the Q&A, thankfully, Jake, he brought it up. He was like, what was your shoot like? She's like, well, we rehearsed for like, what, two days? So so they did, uh, it's all a oneer, and they shot it four times. So they, they had four days. It was a four-day shoot. And, one, and they shot, they, so they did one shoot a day. And I think they had two days of rehearsal and incredible It's fantastic work. She talked about like um, stitch points where the camera would maybe look at the ground really quick. And that would be a place where they could switch out the better take of a better day and incredible work. Also the actors in this movie all did great. Yeah. Unfortunately, the victim roles in this movie, <laughs> like if, if the protagonist antagonist thing going on is written uh, very two dimensionally, the victims had nothing. To they work had with. nothing. It's like, imagine you're going to be in a horror movie and it's like, you get to die. A lot of people in horror movies are excited about it. Like, oh, I'll be on screen. <laughs> First, it's off screen violence. We don't get to see any of it. Yeah. 
Thank you. That was a big part of this. Yes, this is a horror movie. Man. All right. Here's the thing. <laughs> we talk about cutting corners all the time, right? Now, within that context, I think it's important to point out that when you do something as as technologically impressive and technologically rigorous as doing a one that I think I, we can cut you some slack there. So, Russ, I feel like that's the only way I can kind of forgive okay, some so off-screen stuff. You're saying the special effects off ca- on camera would be too hard. I get, I mean, I get I'm, it. I'm just saying that, like, I can see that as a as a yeah, plausible sure. yeah. argument for that. You know, I okay. Are we not like spoiling this movie? I, there, speak okay, freely. There was a um, there was a. Uh, illegal act that happened on one of the victim people yeah. that Clark didn't notice. They, they, they did a bad job. Well, the, the, like, the two-dimensional like racist shit was just so distracting. I and, also may have been eating french fries at that time. Yeah, <laughs> but there was a uh, quite um, loud noise to accompany the off-camera action. There was like a squishy thing and I'm just like, what the fuck are we doing? Honestly, it felt... Here's the problem. I'm I'm going to call back to when we talked Charlotte's Net and we had James Dobbin Jones on. Um, and I remember my one critique there. I'm like, dude, you have a movie that has real violence in it, like real death. And then in your script, you wrote that you took a shit, right? Like on a phone and it was fake. You had fake poop. I'm like, there's a problem here. If your movie's going to be like edgy, I shouldn't say that because he's getting a... <laughs> He's um, very upset that people keep calling him an edgelord now. Where I'm like, <laughs> James, I mean, when you when you play in the dirt. Yeah, what do you want? I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm like, why didn't you have real shit in that toilet? Also, hey, hey, James, JDJ. <laughs> I had to think for a second. Um, we gave you a platform to come on here to for people for people to not think you were an edge lord and when i asked I you know. the question yeah. why you made this movie your answer didn't help i i don't think he was uh, really prepared for like a thoughtful dive into charlotte's bit. he's young i know um and he learned same with our director here which when we got out of this movie i was upset because i actually think this movie is racist now i should say that our our friend and cohort at the overlook theater terrell watched this with us he had the hardest fucking time. He was sitting there going, I fucking hate this. I hate this. I hate this movie. And then he was just like, why would they make this? I hope all these bitches die. Why did they make this? And I was like, holy shit. We drove him here and I think he's going to walk out. And he went to the bathroom. He hates going to the bathroom during the movie, but he came back. And after the movie, he said, by the way, when he went to the bathroom, he looked at me and just went, mm-hmm. <laughs> Here's the thing. No. <laughs> Now, I should set up that I came into this. I was very happy. Clark and Terrell were going. It was raining. This is the perfect scenario for me. We're going to the Alamo. We hadn't been there in a long time. I was very hungry. I was like, oh, we're going to spend some money. And we're going to see a Bloomhouse horror film. What did you, what did you get? And here's the thing, Clark. You, again, I have to give you credit. You pulled me over in the hallway and you're like, hey, dude, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be one of those movies. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. You're like, I don't know, man. I think it's one of those white devil movies. And I'm like, would you get the fuck out of here? Do not tell me the plot. I don't care. And then I got there and I went, holy shit. Clark tried to warn me. And (laughs) no, it is uncomfortable to sit there and just hear five people say heinous shit. And the ignorance is like ripe. It's in the air. And it's like, 
why am I doing this? I don't, I don't want to be around this in yeah. real life or in a cinema where I go to get away from real life. Yeah. Here's the thing. I also like Michael Haneke and I watch things that he makes, which are just to torture me. Yeah. And I understand. And I show up and I get excited. I believe we all went and saw one of his movies out here. Happy uh, end. Yeah. Happy end. Great movie. It's like, why do we do this? And I'll tell you because there's value in it. Yeah. This movie. Yeah. I, it's a propaganda film. And man, don't tell me how to think. And here's the thing. I hate those people. You, you, good job. But it's not hard to make that argument. Yeah. Especially when I'm sitting there next to my black buddy who is writhing in his fucking chair. And after the film, he was like, you know, I was thinking about it. And he's like, if this movie were all black people doing it, he's like, I still wouldn't fucking like it. I don't like this movie. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And here's the thing. It's weird that, you know, now we live in the 4D era of like film appreciation, but I'm like, who is this director? It's probably some self-hating white girl. We'll get up on here and she'll talk about the horrors of white people. And when she was Asian, I'm like, wait, now that's even weirder. Because I feel like if I had made a movie about like Middle Easterners that were like beat up white people and, and, the and whole, South American or just anybody, I'm like, I, I now feel like I'm trying to tell my audience a thing about another race. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't that like kind of like racist propaganda? Yeah. Look, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if you know this, but race is a sticky subject. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> and I'm white. You're completely right, though. And I think this girl, she came from a, a place where she was doing what she thought was right. And at the end of the day, the, the motive behind the movie, who gives a fuck? Because she's fucking talented. And holy shit, the visual storytelling in here and the performance. Here's the thing about a wonder I don't like. It tends to feel like you're on Broadway or something. And it's like, oh, hey, we're on a stage play. And you know what I don't like? Yeah. Movies like that. This didn't feel like it at all. And it was so effective that you kind of get lost in it, even though it's a wonder. And, uh, dude, she's incredible. I, uh, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what she does in the future. I'm with you too, man. Because, yeah. again, like, for your first feature film to be a wonder. Fuck. That's impressive, and it's man. It's a really good one. And you can tell just her thought process, like, you know, that dude, I'm telling you, it was very, it was very impressive, that side. But again, it's like, what what story are you telling me here? Yeah, I know. And that's just like there's nothing new here. And it's just uh, okay. If if you're if your goal is to make us feel bad, good job. I know. You did it. It's not hard, and you did it to make to get a few white women to throw Sig Hiles in a church parking lot. Great. Thanks. I mean, yeah, I, the problem is if you have, you could set it anywhere. They could be any white people saying any of that shit. Yeah. And it's going to be just as effective. Yeah, that's just give me something. I new. will say there was a moment where their meeting was in a church and there is one character who showed up. He's this white guy and he pulls the, the, the ringleader aside and he says, Hey, you need to leave immediately or I'm going to report you. And it's like, oh, so there is like some sort of voice or reason. The problem is that's all he says and he's gone. And for this movie to really be thought provoking, I needed like a brother character or a sister character or some like somebody who knew the, somebody intimately yeah. to be like a voice of reason. Be like, hey, what you're doing is wrong and allow the character to have a, a, a rebuttal, which could also she could, they could be like steeped in ignorance. I love that shit. I love gummo. I love kids. Yeah. And just to give some sort of like, like understanding. And there's none of that here. Yeah. And I think the problem is that the director just wasn't interested. Yeah. And 
so ultimately you get a movie that almost feels like an algorithm created from like 4chan. It's like, hey, let's take the most vile post, yeah, you and know, like put it out there. I know, and it's 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 just it's a it's just a little disappointing um, that you know we we've got something. And look, man, if you want to tackle the heavy subjects, that's hey, that's why they're there. Yeah, they need to get tackled, and and if we can subvert these things, wonderful. I don't know if this did this. Um, <laughs> and um, well, I mean, dude, if you get five white people in a van. And just have them drop repeated end bombs. You know, there you go. Racist Michael Haneke yeah. film. You'll get people saying, this movie was hard to sit through. Yeah, of course but, it was. But again, you know, there's, again, there is no, there's undeniable craft here. Which is why this is one of the things, that, you know, that this movie's going to stick with me. And I'm going to remember this movie. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, think of all the other white devil movies as we call them and i kind of say that tongue-in-cheek with you but no well, it's here's like the thing. that is a subgenre sure it's an exploitation subgenre that is and now i say that because again credit to all the people who have reached out and been like again there's one i'm not gonna out them though and uh they kind of framed it to me in like this is an exploitation subgenre because they're preying on the the fervor of a country right now and there are people who are terrified that this is like happening everywhere like in every minivan, it's a bunch of these girls. And it's irresponsible to reinforce that. It's the new hostel. Well, the thing is, there's money to be made. And like movies yeah. like Antebellum. What was that one where it's like, well, uh, there was the motorcycle gang where they left their bag of Coke in the bathroom stall. And then like a black family took it home and it turns into a home invasion film. It's one of the, the first. Uh -huh. ones. Yeah, dude, there, this is a subgenre. And the problem. That sounds cool, guy. Hit the guitar. I <laughs> <laughs> no well that's the thing i'm like i love exploitation film sure it's, it's just, our favorite it's weird to be in it while it's happening yeah yeah oh that's about it i don't <laughs> last thing i do want to say is that uh we, we do need to talk about the the character of the husband very quickly mm -hmm. um who shows up now I, Russ, probably I think the best written character he is the best written yeah. character and he also did a great job um I, I think I missed this again. Um, uh, and what did you guys have at the Alamo? I had the new, it was like, like the brisket burger, but it had a caramelized onion uh, bacon jam. That's pretty good. Five stars? How many? Four and a half. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Maybe four, I'll get it next Four time. stars. I believe we did the Philly cheesesteak and a um, half fiery pepperoni pizza. The other half was regular pepperoni. They got a Philly cheese. Yeah, it's not fantastic, but it's, easy to eat in the theater and it's like i don't it kind of feels like frozen food it like, wasn't but, great yeah like frozen food you threw in the oven it's a pretty quiet food that yeah it's true yes it is it is an easy one to eat during a movie that's why i like the burger and fries situation yeah, yeah. The fries are fucking good too. those fries are so good well that's what i mean I'm oh i love the fries here's the thing Let's when, go now. when you go to the movie with somebody else and then you can split half of the food Perfect. So I had half a Philly cheesesteak, half a pizza, Estimate. and some fries. Uh, but anyway, I so what I was saying is is that uh, I, I was I think uh, very heavy into my uh, burger and fry situation, <laughs> and I think I missed some of the dialogue about the the husband character mm -hmm. who shows up in Act Two, mm -hmm. and he clearly has some sort of criminal past. Did they say of like why he knew all this shit about stalking and whatnot? No, he just gave the impression 
that he had done probably higher level shit. Yeah. Probably trying to, he's probably being roped in by the FBI right now to abduct a governor or something. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, so he tells them things like, Hey, if we're going to go to their house, leave your phones here. Yeah. And they're like, why? He's like, just shut the fuck up and listen to me. And he had the best like subtle, I, but also it was cool because he was kind of a cuck. <laughs> he was a cuck. It was also, but it was also interesting because again, you know, there was, a, you know, nice writing stuff in there about, you know, the, the main woman, uh, the alpha bitch. Um, she, uh, Randy, uh, her oven didn't work. So she was <laughs> barren. And so then she had her cuck husband, uh, who was also, this couple was like, collectively 13 feet tall yeah they were very tall and uh would have had the tallest baby ever would have just walked out of that canyon <laughs> pussy. and but uh i he he had he had a um he kind of had a comforting energy to him he did which was i thought played nicely into <laughs> where there was no comforting energy whatsoever. And so for him to kind of be the voice of reason here, yet he was still very complicit. He he let the, he let whatever was going to happen happen. And he was literally the one driving the ship there. Well, he pushed, but he just got defeated every time. And he but he also called it. Yeah. And so it, it was like he knew what was going to happen, but he also knew that he had to play his wife's game up to a certain point. You know, honestly, I'm glad you you brought him up because he really is the only, you know, that is um, interesting writing because he is the only hope for the audience in this movie. Yeah. And when you're turning to the guy who was wearing horns at Jan 6 to, like, get you out of this. Yeah. It's a weird situation <laughs> you're in. That's right. So you're just like, dude, please get him to stop. Because the rest, they were all resurrection memaws with the rest of them. Yeah. And. Do you know Resurrection Memo? I have no idea. Google that. Okay. She she's great. <laughs> no, but you're totally right. And when you when you're looking to him for hope, there's something effective there, but I I'm not sure I'm not sure that was the intent behind the character. Insurrection. That's resurrection. Jesus. Yeah, but he does uh Yeah, no. Yeah, he was a good character. Easily the most evil dude there, probably, but because yeah. he, he was not looking out for the people. He was looking out for his family sure. and, and the other women where he's like, this is going to be a felony. You're all going to get fucked up on this. You're going to ruin everything. I think uh, his first protest was, I like my job. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. But th that's what I'm saying is like, you know, there's there's a there's a lot to chew here. And um, a lot of conversation. And I really try to not editorialize when I talk about it. Yeah. But uh, I can't help it. Look, this movie is made for you to feel one way or another. Well, That's no other way around it. Here's the thing. The director, she seems really cool. She she seemed like she was having a panic attack while being up on stage. And um, Well, she saw me and got nervous. Well, she, Terrell talked to her and she got nervous. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't... She... Somebody said, man, this is a really fucked up movie. Where did you grow up? And she gave the most glaring stare and said, here, and pointed <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> and I was just like, man, I was like, I guarantee you, I've had, I grew up with less money than you in a school that was like, you know, it was very mixed, but a lot of like little wannabe gangsters in there. And I'm like, it's not that bad. 
like this is like night you know here you go take take the tagline off a of skinnamarink and put on this movie in nightmare this, fuel in this house god in this house in this house I'm still debating if i'm gonna go see skinnamarink in this house. house so i kind of want to get that brisket now that you're talking about it in this house are y'all going i don't know maybe are, are we, are we closing y'all go, the, if y'all go love it up at this house are we closing the soft and quiet book at this house let me tell you something about skin and marine fuck that <laughs> shit okay it's uh, randy take. you know what it is randy randy it's it's yeah. asmr hard dude i'm not i'm down yeah i know i don't fuck see the problem asmr hate that in this house in this house yeah, you're referring to the trailer in the show, which is probably it's the in most- the movie. <laughs> I saw the movie. Oh, I don't know if that counts. It's an hour and a half of in the show. It is not an hour and a half of that in this house. All right, my turn. I'm taking over, Russell. I'm going to be quick because y'all ate up times with restaurant and donkey talk. Um, what is the problem <laughs> with that? Also, um, you were you've been snooping around this whole time. You have not been active. This I show. was going to add well because I tend to elongate these conversations. Randy and I have been G-chatting back and forth, and we're just talking about how you've been distant this it's whole show. It's just all dick pics. <laughs> Here's the well, thing. it doesn't take up a whole lot of bandwidth. I, uh, When Randy was talking about Korean films and how the Koreans understand everything and get cinema better than anybody, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put in the Korean movie I watched this week. And then I went to IMDb, and I was like, eh, I don't really have a lot to say. Until, you know how when you go on IMDb and they have the trailer of the movie play? Yes. Well, this trailer was blocked. Oh. First off, I never want to watch a trailer. Don't show me the fucking trailer. Trailer. This trailer pops up and says, this video is not intended for all audiences. Enter your birth date to view age-restricted video. So it Hell wants me yeah. to put in my birthday so I can watch the trailer I don't want to see. And the film I'm talking about is Project Wolf Hunting. Uh, what? I don't believe this movie is out yet. I had to hire a uh, Geek Squad member to come over and fix my fire stick and do three different kinds of software updates so that we could watch uh, Project Wolf Hunting. Um, Project Wolf Hunting follows dangerous criminals on a cargo ship who are transported from the Philippines to South Korea as they unleash a sinister force after an escaped attempt leads to a riot. Uh, I'll be really quick here. This is a cops and robbers kind of movie. So these dangerous criminals who have a ton of character are locked up they're basically handcuffed to pipes on this ship. It's very weird. The uh, Korean like police force, so fucking lame. And you're like, how are we going to do like a jailbreak movie where the cops have, you have no faith in them at all. Um, and you're correct. They get run over so bad. Uh, here's the thing. This movie is incredibly, I was about to say violent. It takes a little bit for the violence to happen. When the violence does happen, there is gallons of blood. To be shit. Um, and then in the third act, they get a little genre. As down genre. in the, the depths of the ship, there is a body that looks like he is on a uncomfortable cage where he's being held over the rocks you put in the bottom of a fish tank. Mm. Uh, his eyes are shown, uh, sewn shut. And uh, a doctor injects him with some shit that you just know is going to bring this Frankenstein to life. Um, and there is a weird genre turn here. It's two hours long. I wanted to love it, and I just ended up liking it. But if you're into um, basically like action films with uh, a genre lean, check this one out. Lots of blood. And um, here's the thing. 
the in-camera effects, fucking fantastic. While fighting, limbs are broken, blood is spilled, a lot of stabbing. The CGI looks like they got a third-party app and just put it on the movie. It is horrendous. And unfortunately, one of the first things you see in this movie is terrible CGI. So mm. don't be turned off by that. Stick the rest of the movie out. Um, that's Project Wolf Hunting. Uh, you know what that sounds like? What? You're calling my film a cool guy film. I'd hit the stinger. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. There's a lot of style. Randy is correct. Um, the next movie I watched. Oh, what order am I going to do this in? Let's go. Um, well, first off, while Clark was talking, he accused me of not being in the conversation and looking around the Internet. Yes, you're correct. Thank when you. I, when you were talking about DDP and your cool guy movie, yep. I was like, you know, he must have been in a bunch of horror movies since uh, Devil's so. Rejects. And then I was looking. It was not true. He was in one short. He's film. a yogi. He was in one short film that I am going to watch called A Smackdown on Elm Street. Ooh. WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas, Diamond Dallas Page and Scott Hall, RIP, must use their yoga strength to defeat evil Freddy Krueger in order to escape their nightmare. <laughs> it is 15 minutes long, and I will be watching that. So you're correct. I was looking around. Hell yeah. And I kept thinking, should I interrupt you to say this? And I decided no. Well, you should have, but I'm glad we got around to it. Then I had the privilege of hanging out with Terrell and Oksana, my favorite people on the planet, along with our other favorite person on the planet, Clark Little, for half the movie. As we watched oh, yes. Kevin Williams return to the screen with the Peacock original of, um, you know, what everybody's been dying for, a pandemic, a pandemic post-scream slasher called Sick. Um, uh, due to the pandemic, Parker and her best friend decide to quarantine at the family lake house alone, or so they think. Uh, you know, I stand by my letterbox review. I said 80% scream, 20% Friday the 13th. Um, I, we had Terrell on here, and he, he's had a point that stuck with me forever now, and it's that slashers have removed the Wes Craven effect, which I'm going to call the um, chase. Final girls in post-scream um, life of the slasherdom they would always have like three chase scenes in the movie. And it really became like a staple of the genre. And then I think, you know, Amazon Prime and the lower budget um, slashers that just kept coming out. I think it's really hard to do a chase scene. I think it's easier to like set up the camera and edit it through like, you know, a decapitation, which seems weird. But to actually have stunts happen in your movie, like running, falling from a two story building onto a car. Yeah, but it looks breaking cool. windows. I know they're they're incredible. So I think it's just hard for indie production to do it. Well, well yeah, if they fucking want to bitch like <laughs> little babies. Well, we're returning to the early two thousands with sick. Um, hey, get ready because it's scream. The treatment of the slasher, the structure of the movie. You want to tell Randy the name of the the town? What was the name of the town? West. Oh, it was West Craven. Oh, no. You know the movie. I paused the film and rewound it, and I said, "What did that sign say?" And I was like, "I thought it said it's it says you're now entering West Craven." Pretty good. And you know what? Now that I've seen the movie, I actually think that's really funny. Yeah. Because this is not the tone of the film. There's also a lot of um. One one thing you might think instantly: Why is this a pandemic movie? 
two things. Um, I was kind of shocked to hear that this movie actually played Film Fest. You usually don't do that with slashers that have like <laughs> Kevin Williams, uh, Williamson attached to it. Yeah. Because somebody will just buy it and you throw it out there. But clearly they had faith and somebody loved this movie and wanted to share it. At least that's what I'm assuming. Um, and I understand why now. This is just a this is a good return. This is like um when people were really dying for like an 80s slasher again and then you kind of nail it like maybe with like hatchet or something like they kind of correct the form and they're aware of all the tropes you're completely doing the scream thing here and um i'm not mad at it in fact i loved it and it aired on friday the 13th and they really friday the 13th they really work in a lot of um easter eggs and homage with the friday the 13th series which seems weird but it works out um i don't know i got nothing bad to say about it Am I missing anything, Oksana? I really like this one. No, I, I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I don't know. Okay. I don't have anything bad about it either. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I want to talk about it a lot, but like all of the post scream slashers, there's a lot of shit that is kind of. I I don't want to call it twists or like reveals, but the the script it you're it going blind. That's what I'm gonna say. Uh, but I do recommend you watch it. I know you hear like Kevin Williamson's doing a scream thing again, and it's on Peacock. Could not sound more unappealing. Peacock, Peacock. But I got faith in the man. Um, and then lastly, the last movie I'll talk about. How many stars? For that one, four. Four? Giving a lot of four stars out. You were, you were meh on it. House part, on sick? No, you left halfway through the movie. Okay, because we decided to take an hour and a half break in the middle of the movie. Because... <laughs> You know, that's the, uh, unfortunately, Oksana told me that baby boxes were not a thing in our town. So we're stuck with this and <laughs> baby he, boxes. we tried to put them down and it took a long time. So I do apologize for that. I knew five minutes in when you were still hanging out. I'm like, we got to like another five minutes before you're gone. It's, hey, that's fine. I hey, know. You know, the rules of the game <laughs> yeah. and I appreciate it. So I didn't you bother you when you left and I was like, it's a bummer. Uh, it's, I knew that you knew <laughs> it's, it's good though. And you're right. In the beginning, I was kind of like, what are we doing? Because there's a lot of COVID talk. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't matter how you felt about COVID. If you're still wearing a mask or if you never wore one. You know, COVID talk was the original name of the show. <laughs> we were really ahead of the game. No, but here's the thing. The, the dialogue in this movie, it's pretty neutral and always played for a laugh. So, you know what? Don't let that stop you either. Lastly, um, Terrell uh, tapped into a TikTok uh, craze. Oh, Which kind of made me annoyed. Not Terrell, but somebody took a clip of a movie and they're like, look at this shit. And we're kind of back at the room stuff where a, uh, a black gentleman draws a gun from a drawer. He turns to a staircase in his house and a scantily clad woman uh, comes down the stairs and proceeds to dodge two bullets, all uh, like the Matrix kind of like bending backwards, except... Yeah. With the minimal effort, yep. which kind of just looks like she's doing a bad dance where she like, you know, dips her left shoulder back and then her right shoulder. She's single. And uh, well, she's actually available because she's a sex doll. Yeah. As we watch the movie, Tiffany the doll. Oh, boy. She's the perfect partner. She can fulfill your every fantasy and she's yours for a price. The newest toy, Tiffany, is no ordinary doll, but you have to pay to find out. This movie is um, 
Holy shit. Two things. Number one, Tiffany's the perfect slut name. So good job there. <laughs> Number two. No, slut. I, okay. Uh, <laughs> no offense to any ladies out there because I know our audience is 98% women. But And if you're a slut, holla. But here's the thing. I like, I like the, uh, the loose women to be named after cars. Go ahead with your second point. Also, Tiffany is my sister's name. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> point two. Is this the asylum version of Megan? No. Okay. The, the, here's the thing. And that's a fair question. Yeah. Like, are they just trying to cash in on the Chucky craze, the doll craze? No. This movie is a passion project from people who have never seen a movie, and they don't give a fuck. This movie, I... <laughs> There's a thing where, you know, the room is huge. And why? Because it's it's an oddity. You're watching the movie and you're like, what? how did they make this choice? Yeah, Randy loves it. Why did they do this? And it becomes like kind of like an ironic sensation, right? This movie is a film where it's like they understood how to edit. Like you have to connect scenes together to tell a full story. They understood the assignment. But, <laughs> dude, this movie... They either didn't give a fuck <laughs> or they're like cynical people who think moviegoers are dumb and they just wanted to make that uh, algorithm money off of Tubi. My favorite is not giving a fuck. Dude, I, I think I wrote on Letterboxd, this isn't like throwing out the rule book. This is like pissing on the rule book. Ooh. This movie here, I took... So, um, if you're kind of like hacky like I am, and uh, <laughs> here's the thing. There's a sex uh, shop. And um, they have a new line of dolls. So they, a girl brings in all their models, which are just people standing in a row. And it's like, hey, check out the sex dolls. They warm to your touch. They'll do anything. They're like the hottest bitch you could have, but they won't <laughs> nag you. And here's the other thing that's interesting. A lot of the people who are interested the in these dolls. Bitch you could no, have. dude, this move, I, I should say, this is a uh, black production. And um, much like I wanted from House Party, or what I wanted from House Party was an unfiltered, kind of just raw fucking movie. Like, hey, I am showing up to your door. Please give me your treatment kind of thing. This movie doesn't. They don't give a fuck. And some of this dialogue is hilarious. And uh, maybe even some of it was written down prior. But it doesn't feel that way. This movie feels 110% improv. And the subject matter. So there's, there's a sex doll killing people. Except it's not that easy. There's a line of sex dolls that are blinking. And I say that because you know how when you, I can't help myself when I'm watching a horror movie and we have a dead body in the foreground. Yep. I'm always looking at their belly and I'm like, are you going to breathe? How long is this scene going? And are you going to breathe? I'm always doing it. And I hate it because it's a distraction. I always look at their crotch to see if they're going to get a bone. <laughs> how often do they? Never. Okay. That's a bummer. Just me. Let, waiting let, please <laughs> so here's the thing when these sex dolls are standing up there they're trying their hardest they're really trying to stand still that's a really hard thing to do so they're kind of swaying it's whatever but then they're just fucking blinking so i'm like dude they're just blinking up there like that's it almost felt rude so halfway through the movie a character points out that they're blinking but it didn't feel like a like a pivotal moment where they're like holy shit it blinked it felt like like two two non actors improving, and one of them's like, "This bitch is blinking." So it's like the tone is all weird. Yeah, that's the movie in a nutshell. There are shots in this film where it's like uh, two people talking, 
And uh, in one shot, it's day. And in one shot, it's night. This is like a regular occurrence. Um, probably my favorite kind of gaff in this film is the way they wrap up the story. Again, this isn't going to ruin anything. These dolls are killing people almost at random. And almost, only it seems only that they kill people after you buy them. So you buy them, bring them home. Don't have sex with them because nobody does that. There's no nudity in this movie. There's a lot of butts coming through underwear, but there's no <laughs> naked butts. And here's the thing. The women are into these dolls and they're like, oh, my man's going to be into this. He'll be into this bitch and who cares? She'll be there. I'll be playing with her. She hot. And it's like, it is just so much fun, but nobody fucks these dolls. I don't know why. Were the dolls hot? Uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> They didn't look manufactured. They look very real. Okay. They weren't unattractive. I don't know. Oksana, can you answer this for me? Don't deflect that to me. I mean, they just look like, I don't know. Oksana, like people. let me rephrase. <laughs> if you had a penis, <laughs> would you stick your penis inside of that doll? Yeah. Okay. There okay. you go. <laughs> there there you we go. go. Here's the thing. They're not like, you, you know, the problem I have with like low studio level horror movies where all the pretty people. Yeah. They're not there. They're like the the step the half step under where they look real. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. But the problem is that in this movie, they're supposed they're in a sex shop being sold as like the hottest thing on the market. And it's like I don't know. And then you have you have characters like ogling them in the store, like, oh, look at this butt. Oh, and they're like grabbing them. So much fun. Here's the thing. They start killing people. One of my favorite moments in this movie is a guy gets stabbed by a doll. Grabs a phone and in one of the most authentic moves, calls his best friend and says, hey, this doll's <laughs> killing me. When every, when, I don't know if it's just a white thing or I'm like, hey, he's going to call the police. They don't even fucking mention the police in this movie, which made me think of House Party. And I'm like, LeBron, that rat bastard, fucking <laughs> called the police. <sighs> and even there, I, I believe in House Party, there's even an argument. It's, hey, man, I'm just a young black man. I'm trying to make money. like." I'm sorry, dude. Like, I, I can fix it. And he's just like, fucking call the cops. It's like, you bastard. Whatever. This movie, they don't call the police. They deal with the problem on their own. And they kill all the dolls. Yeah. Off camera. In fact, at the end of the movie, there's a scene where people are in a room and they're like, man, we killed them all. Well, if, if I may, that's a real black movie. Because how many <laughs> black people go really call the police? No, that's what I'm saying. But the, the interesting thing is the where this movie fails. Uh, did I give it five stars or four? <laughs> I might have given it five. I think I give it four. And here's the thing. This movie fails in one way only. As a horror film. Oh. There's no there's there's like no gore. The the doll threat is completely vanquished yeah. off camera. And you only learn that in a line of dialogue that feels like a throwaway line where they're like, we killed them all. And then one guy goes, but we didn't. They made millions of them. Cut to credits. It is bizarre on the level of like of a uh, plan nine from outer space, except it's entertaining, which plan nine isn't. I know it's probably a generational thing, but that movie's fucking boring. This movie's fantastic. Is this better than any puppet master movie you've seen? If you like watching uh, hilarious like domestic disputes where it's like you broke ass bitch, fuck y'all like why don't you want to like those kind of conversations like reality TV on the Zeus network? Yeah. That's it's a ton of fun. Now, as a part of Megan, you know, there, there's an actor playing the doll. Mm -hmm. Do we have that at all here? The, yes. 
There's oh. no doll element to the actor either. They're just women in bikinis. Oh. And, oh, except there is a dude. There's a yeah, there's a guy. There's They're a just dude. people standing there. And it's funny because oh, well, there we go. <laughs> sometimes they try to like keep their arms in that like doll like, Barbie <laughs> position. Ah. But they're like breathing and blinking. <laughs> That's what I was saying. It's so it's like oh, the gotcha. dead body breathing. Except imagine in that movie if a character was like, hey, he just breathed. Like his stomach came up. He's still except it's not to impact the plot. Like it's not like, holy shit, they're not dead. It's just like, oh, hey, they're breathing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then yes, they don't yes. do anything about it. Dude, it's it's bizarre. Right. It's a ton of fun. It's uh so there's there are two entries for for Tiffany the doll. One of them's from 2020, and I think that's why when we watched the trailer, it was for a completely different movie. Wait, no, no. Yeah, that Here's was Randy's it. sister's no. movie. <laughs> Here's the thing. So we watched it and we were we were talking about it because this movie just sparks conversation like soft and quiet. And I was like, you know what? Is there a trailer? Because clearly the craft here is like fledgling, but it's so interesting because of that. So I went on YouTube and I looked up Tiffany and the doll and there's a trailer. There's all the actors from the movie and they're talking about the same thing, but it's different. And you're like, wait, what is happening? Like the plot is different. Where they're doing it is different. It was filmed a couple years before this one. So it almost felt like a proof of concept trailer. Yeah. But they never took it down. So now there's two trailers. Except no if you just found a movie from two years prior, they may have shot this movie two times. It's a short. So I guess it is just a proof of concept. But it's ah. more, it's focusing on one of the couples that like buy the doll and then the woman gets jealous of the doll. Okay. Which was kind of. It was in there. Which was kind of in the background. Except they never did it in this movie. Yeah, I don't, dude. It is incredible. Again, if you're not a fan of like regional horror or micro budget horror or just the craft of filmmaking, I mean, this isn't uh, Randy's like two disc Criterion release. This is more like Full Moon actually made something interesting on accident. Hell yeah! Full Moon, they totally try to like take advantage of that market of like the uh, the kind of dad film. Hey, we're gonna get Charlie Banner here like next week. I would actually love to talk to Felicia Rivers. So the uh, director, Felicia Rivers, um, also co-wrote the film with Aisha Little. So you, you may have a cousin in another uh, horror classic. Oh, so my sister did uh, Ancestry.com, uh-huh. and she's been keeping me abreast. Uh, the trail runs cold on the little side of things um, in Georgia in about the mid-1800s. So I don't know... Uh-oh. Where we come on that side of the pond. But uh, the the Thornton side, uh, where, um, you know, my cousin, mm-hmm. um, Art the Clown, uh, everything so far it just seems to check out. Okay, good. And, uh, yeah, Roots, uh, I'm Scottish, baby. Have you been, like, exploiting that at all? Can you get <laughs> back on the show? Yeah, sure. Just be like, hey, cuz, do yeah. me a favor. That's right. It's blood, baby. <laughs> Thicker than water. So, yeah, the, the writers of Tiffany the Doll are Aisha and Felicia. Love How it. fucking fun would that be to Hell, talk sister, to them? Sister, sister. Dude, incredible. Um, Again. Who are those, who are those girls? Sister, sister? Tia and yeah, Tia and yeah. Tamara. I was like, what, are you tricking me here? The Twitches? You don't know the fucking Twitches? I forgot, dude. All right, Smoke yeah. a lot of marijuana. So, again, uh, that is on Tubi. And, God, I don't even remember the commercials coming up. I was so engrossed in this film. <laughs> Man, it was fun. All right. What a show. We did it. 
Tiffany, the new Megan. <laughs> I have to stand up because I have to pee. And if I, I kept sitting there, my bladder was compressing against my fat in my... Uh... Randy, what did you say? You're in, you're in your taint area of your kitchen living room. What's happening here? You got a little nook? What's going on? I think you called it the gooch earlier. Yeah, my where I have been sitting when I'm not in my office is right to the right of me. So I just have a little, I set up a little desk with, I will say, very good lighting. Uh, this might be my new spot, or I might just get the same light for my other desk. If I'm honest, I kind of like that spot. Let's see your thoughts. It's cool. It's a good spot. It's, a, it's good. Uh, it's got it's a window. Sh- it's a shame the tornado will take it. It's got a window. It's got a wall. Randy, take us home. Uh, to the window, to the fr- from the window to the wall. Uh, <laughs> what sweat dripped down my balls? I think it says. Uh, we'll see you Thursday. Two episodes this week. Yay! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.